0: How's everyone doing this morning? Come on, you guys can do better than that. I don't know. All right, So I don't know what type of week you have. I don't know what you're going through, but I know that today the Word of God is going to bless your life. You guys believe that today? All right. well, You guys can have a seat. I'm going to we'll stay. We're going to read the Word of God. You're right. Good job. Good job. And if you can fix my echo here, it's driving me nuts right now. And as we start, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 4 beginning at verse 1, as we continue the series, bless this mess. How many of you were blessed by last week's message? I know that it was an interesting one, but 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning at verse 1, is what the Word of God says. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elijah, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditors are coming to take my two boys as slaves. And Elijah replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing. Notice what she says. Your servant has nothing. There at all, she said, except a little oil. Elijah said, go around and ask your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour the oil into all the jars. And as she filled, she put one to the side. She left him afterwards, shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her as she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. He replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go and sell the oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what's left. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word that we're about to receive Lord, as we continue our second part now of having them, being blessed, Lord, when our lives are a mess. Help us to understand and to apply to our lives and speak through me now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You guys can have a seat as we go into our second part of our series. I first want to say Happy Father's Day for all the fathers. Can we just give it up for all the fathers that we have in the house today? And you're probably thinking, "Well, you're going to preach for that. I'm going to preach to dads, but I'm going to preach to everyone else as well, if you don't mind." Today's message, I titled, "Do it once and keep repeating." Let me say that one more time: Do it once and keep repeating. Say it one more time with me. Come on, do it once and keep repeating. As we go into the second part of our series, bless this mess. We read of this woman here, and there's no doubt in my mind that this woman's life was a mess. When you look at this woman's life, everything around her was falling apart. Not only did her husband just die, but her children were being threatened to be taken away as slaves. She's financially in a crisis. Everything around her is not going right. When you read it, you clearly can see that this woman's life is a mess. But in the end of this passage that we read, we see that God performed this amazing miracle. Not only did God satisfy her need, he surpassed it. He did more than what she was asking for. She just needed help with her debt. But not only was her debt covered, Elijah said to her after, now sell everything, pay your debt. That was her request. That's what she was needing help with. But not only did God provide for her debts, the Bible says live off the rest. For the rest of your life, live off, that means that what God did in her life was so much and so amazing that it not only caused her to have a breakthrough in the area of need in her life, God surpassed Her needs. Now let me ask you this question. How many of you want God to surpass your needs right now? Not just a little, not just get by, but really surpass your needs. Do you believe today that you serve a God of miracles? Show me your hands right now. I believe that God can do miracles. But why isn't it happening for me? You see, what's worse about this passage, it's not that her husband just died, it's not that her children are being taken away as slaves, it's not her financial crisis. Verse 4 is what really stood out to me. She really said this with this frustration and with this anger. In verse 4, she said, you know... Sorry, verse 1. Go to verse 1. You know that my husband revered the Lord. You know what she's telling Elijah? You know that me and our family and my husband, we serve God. Notice that. She tells Elijah, we serve God. Which shows us something interesting. Life gets messy, even when you serve God. Can I get an amen on that? Life gets messy. I mean, it blows my mind how many people would ask me, Pastor, why would God allow this pain in my life? Why would God allow evil? Why would God hurt me? Why would God take this away? Doesn't God care? Doesn't God love me? Doesn't God know I serve? Pastor, I've been in church. Pastor, I tithe. I serve. I give. I love people. I've been a Christian X amount of years. I read my Bible. I do everything. But the closer I get to God, it seems like the worse my life gets. This is what happened in the first church. A lot of Christians gave their lives to Jesus only to be persecuted, only to lose their homes, only to lose their families, and they wanted answers because it makes no sense to us for some reason that as a Christian, we suffer. It makes no sense how great people, I was telling this to Dennison yesterday in a car driving with him, and he was like, it just boggles my mind how great men of God die so young. Don't worry, I'm not dying. but't do but we just wonder, how is it that great leaders of God, great men of God, great women of God, who preach the gospel, who do so much, they die young, they go through crisis, they go through sickness, they go through so much pain. Well, here's the rule of thumb: Serving God never meant life would not get messy. Let me say that one more time. Serving God never meant your life. Would not get messy. In fact, it's going to be messy when you start serving God. But notice about this passage: "She served God. Her husband served God. And he died. But what got my attention was these areas and where she's suffering. Because I believe it's the areas of this woman's life that we also are suffering today. Number one, she's suffering because of a marriage that ended. I know that she was widowed and her husband died young because they had young children, the Bible says. But notice that because of the marriage ending, it caused this chain reaction. When her husband died, her marriage ended. And when her marriage ended, it put her into this financial strain. And because of the financial strain, now she's losing her children. So the first crisis that she has in in her hand has to do with her marriage ending. And maybe you're not widowed. Maybe you are married, but you feel like you are widowed because your husband or your spouse is never around. Marriage. The second area is that she's having a big mess in in her finances. She doesn't know what to pay, when to pay. She doesn't have caller ID like we used to, and we can see the creditors calling and we ignore it, but she doesn't understand. How am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to pay this bill? She's thinking that she's going to lose her children. So now she's in a financial mess. If there's anything we have today going on in a lot of people's lives, it's not only the marriage that's in crisis and a mess right now in marriages, 62% of Christians divorced now, that's higher than just five years ago. Can we talk about this? Financially speaking, we're at an all-time debt, crisis, and the reason that people get divorced, main number one reason, what do you think it is? Money, financial, crisis. Notice the other area of her life that's struggling, her children. She's afraid of losing her children. Do you know how many parents are afraid of losing their child? You're afraid of losing your child to pressure. You're afraid of losing your child to drugs. You're afraid of losing your child to this world. You're afraid that your child is going to get lost through bad friendships and bad choices. And how many parents are fighting for their children right now who are going through that stage of rebellion and making bad choices and their parents are praying and seeking answers because they feel like their child is going to grow up to make a mess of their lives. Notice that this woman not only has a crisis of a mess in her marriage, and in her finances and with her children, but now she has this mess with God because she tells Elijah in a frustration tone, when you read it in the Hebrew, she literally tells him, we serve God. So now not only has the marriage and the finances and the kids become a mess, but because of all of this, it's now affecting her faith in God. Sometimes, because of what we're going through, our faith suffers with God. And at this moment, this is one of those passages that we don't read and say, wow, clearly makes sense why God would take her husband away in such a young age. It makes perfect sense why she's losing her children. Sometimes God makes no sense, especially when life is messy. Especially when life is tense. How many of you are going through some tense things right now? Just show me your hands. Come on. Tension. Life is tense. And you wonder, why does God allow tension? I mean, I'm a Christian, pastor. Shouldn't I just have peace right now? Shouldn't I just be happy all the time? I mean, I'm a child of God. I I, I should just have no problems at all. Tension. But see, through this mess that she's in, through the tension that she's going through, God would actually not only bless her, but God would make her faith stronger. And I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning, but maybe you're going through what you're going through because God wants to prove himself to you. And in order for God to prove himself to you, sometimes he has to let people die in your life. Sometimes he has to allow you to suffer some things. And she can't understand it at the moment, but the tension that she's going through is actually going to bless her beyond what she ever imagined. Why is this so important? Because women in that culture did not have businesses. They depended on their husband. But God said, I'm going to bless you so much, you're not going to need a man. You're going to start your own company so successful that you're going to be able to live off it the rest of your life. God was doing things unheard of in the life of this woman. Again, do you believe in a God of miracles? So do you believe that right now, God can be putting you through some tension because He's getting ready to release you into an unspeakable blessing that's going to surpass anything you ever understood about God? See, you say, I don't know about that because there's a lot of Christians today. We're losing our faith. Oh yeah, you believe in God. Yeah, you're saved. You love Jesus. But God... He's more than what you think right now. Wants to do more in our lives. Don't limit God to just an hour on a Sunday morning. God wants to be so involved in your life that he allows tension to take place. And I thought about tension. You know, during this quarantine thing, I had to work out with these bands. I hate them. These demonic bands are the worst. But you know what's crazy? As I began to work out with these bands, I realized they're they're no joke. They're they're not easy. And as I began to do my reps, this body doesn't just happen, people. It takes work. Why are you laughing? (laughs) But you know what's crazy? The body needs tension to grow. The muscle needs tension to grow and develop. And as that muscle grows and develops and gets stronger, what used to be tense in the beginning now becomes easier. Are you following me? So God puts you through this real tense situation. But after a while, it increases your faith. It grows you spiritually. You begin to grow more and get better with this Jesus thing. And all of a sudden, it's not as hard anymore. You know that when you first became a Christian, how everything bothered you and you had a temper and everything, you fast forward years from now and you look back and you say, man, I can't believe I used to struggle with that. I can't believe that used to be a temptation in my life. I'm so glad I got out of that stage. Why does that happen? You got stronger. And as you get stronger, what used to be tense no longer makes you tense. You're going to fall in love with Jesus so much that the people you used to be able to say, I can't stand, and the people that used to ruin your week, you don't want to care what they do or think about you anymore. You start growing. God is putting this woman through tension to grow her faith. But then I started thinking, because I've heard this before, yes, God puts tension and stress to grow you, but why is it? that as Christians, when God puts us through tense situations, we actually get worse than better. And I figured out why. You guys want to know why? Because as I got my tension band and started working out, you know what's interesting? I have to do what's called repetitions. You know what that is? You got to keep doing it. It's not a one-time thing. And the reason that so many Christians stay in messes is because you want to serve God by a one-time basis. You think that, imagine, you would lift this once and have the body of your dreams. How many people would work out? Every one. You mean I just got to lift it once and everything falls apart and all the fat goes away and I get healthy and stronger. Yeah, just do it once. Sign me up. But you know why people don't do it? Because of repetition. You got to keep doing it. You think you're going to pray one time? And everything's going to be okay. Sometimes God says, keep praying. Well, I prayed for my friend and my loved ones to get saved. It didn't work. It didn't happen because you got to do it through repetition. You think coming to church one time is going to change your life forever. No. You got to keep coming to church Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday. It's repetition. You think giving your tithe once is going to financially set you free. No. It takes repetition. It's a pattern. It's a habit you make. You think whether it's just going once. Can you imagine that people think that serving God just a one-time basis it's going to do it all for me? it's repetition you got to keep doing it and what happens is as you keep repeating it it's going to get difficult as you keep repeating this walk with God it's going to hurt but as you keep repeating it it gets easier And it begins to change you. I wonder how many of us in our relationship with the Lord today, we really don't have repetition. It's not where you can say, I get up every morning and read the Bible every day. It's not a repeating thing. You're like, maybe, I I don't think the last time I did. I can't really think about when was the last time. Then you don't have repetition I can't remember the last time I really prayed. It should be every day. Repetition. Church. Every Sunday. Bible study. Every Wednesday. Repeat. Repeat. Keep doing it. You're going to get stronger. It's going to get easier. What used to make you tense is not even going to be tense anymore. You're going to mature in the faith. You're going to really see God work in your life. But you know what happens We don't want to fall into repetition. So we call it religion. We call it radical. Extreme. But you can never see the blessing and the miracle of God until this becomes repetition to you. Commitment is repetition. She went from being a mess to blessed only after she did these three things. See, if you relate to this woman where you're saying, Pastor, my marriage is in crisis, my finances are a mess, I'm afraid of losing my children, I'm pretty mad at God right now, my faith is weak right now, I'm a single mother, I'm going through all these problems, I don't know what I'm going to do, and everything's a mess, but you mean to tell me, God can still bless me. Did you not read the story we just read? God can still bless the life of any person, no matter how messy they are, or no matter how much of a mess they're in. Can we give God some praise for that? Because God doesn't look at you and say, Well, you're just way too messy for me. God said, If you're willing to do the repetitions with me, put it into practice, you'll grow you'll change. If you stay consistent with me, if you stay consistent with reading the Bible, if you stay consistent with prayer, if you stay consistent with serving God another, if you keep repeating this, it will bless your life, bless your family, and any area of your life God puts you in. So this woman, this is a miracle that happened, yes, yes, but only after she did these three things. And when I read these three things, I realized, man, if these three things become repetition in my life, God will bless me beyond measure. You guys said you wanted to be blessed beyond measure, right? Are you willing now? Don't come to me next Sunday, Pastor. I did it, didn't work. Because it's repetition. Say it with me it's repetition. You keep doing it. So don't come to me next week. I want a refund. Your sermon didn't work. Because I did it once. You got to keep doing it. You ready? Number one. This has to be a repeat in your life. Verse two. Elijah goes to this messy woman with this messy situation. And Elijah replied, how can I help you? Tell me. He wants to know. Tell me. What do you have in your house? Let me rephrase something here. What do you have? What do you have? What do you have? I'm going to keep saying it until you say it with me. What do you have? Your servant. Now, i got to do it in the way she did it. Your servant has nothing. Nothing. At all. I have nothing. So negative she is. I have nothing except this little oil. Hey, wasn't that the oil God used to bless her in the first place? You know that very thing that you've taken for granted and it's not good enough, God is actually going to use to bless your life, but He can't bless you yet because you treat it like it's worthless. You know what's wrong with our culture today? We're like her. Our focus is on the nothing. What don't you have? What haven't you accomplished? What hasn't happened for you? And you forget everything else you have. Elijah said, what do you, focus, girl, what do you have? I have nothing. Where did her mind go to? What was the first thing she mentioned? The nothing. The nothing. You're focused on what I haven't done, what I don't have, what I haven't accomplished. The blessings right in front of you. The oil was right in front of her, but she's so focused on what she doesn't have, she has neglected what she does have. We get this way in life. We get this way about our situation. You focus on what you don't have. I can focus right now on these empty chairs, or I can focus on you. You know that. You can focus on all the wrong your partner has done, all the wrong your spouse has done, all your friends, whatever. Oh, I can't believe they haven't done this. I, haven't de- I can't believe they did this. I don't like what they did. And what have they done for you? It's so easy to get caught up in what someone hasn't done that you forget what they have done. This is why as pastors we burn out. Because I give my life for you, my time for you, my commitment for you. My family does too. We're there constantly, constantly, constantly. We messed up one time and you cut my throat. It's over. I'm leaving. I it. You forget all the other times. I've been there, but one time I'm late. You don't love me. Do you do that with people? You barely say thank you. Always remind them of what they've done wrong, what they haven't done, where they're failing. Come on, if if you're complaining about your husband's shoes on the floor, pick them up and say, Thank you, Lord, I have a husband. Come on. A lot of women they'll take them off your hands. <laughs> I'll behave. Thank God. You say, oh man, my kids are driving me crazy. There's a parent somewhere that has just lost their child that would give anything to have their kids alive to drive them crazy again. You're complaining about your job. We have millions of Americans that will gladly take it from you right now. You're complaining about church. It's too hot. There's people in other countries that don't have a church because it's illegal. Thank God for what you have. What do you have? But she has this nothing attitude. It's not good enough. It's not, it's not enough. I have nothing. So I love Matthew 15, 36, when Jesus got the basket that the disciples said, it's not enough. It's not enough. We can't feed them. It's too little. And Jesus took the seven loaves and the fish that weren't enough. And when he had given thanks, hello, he gave what? Thanks. He broke them and gave them to the disciples and they all turned to the other people. God multiplied only after Jesus gave thanks. What if God can't do more in your life because you're ungrateful? But can't He just give it to me then I can thank Him? No. You've got to be able to have a grateful heart. It wasn't enough. I know Jesus. It's like, it's not enough, God. It's not enough. But thank you. Because it's more than what I deserve. We've grown up to be this self absorbed, like we learned last week, entitled Christians. That think everyone owes you something. And God owes you something. And you deserve the best. And you deserve more. We deserve nothing but hell. Thank Jesus we don't have that. So everything you have in your life, you have the breath in your lung. Thank God for that. You have a home to go to. A crazy wife that kind of loves you. Whatever it is. Thank God. God, when was the last time you really thank God? Thank God for your health. If you have it. You're able to get up in the morning without Motrin. Thank God. Without back pain. Thank God for everything you have. If you're able to come to forward, thank God that we have a place that we can worship. Thank God you have a pastor that loves you. Thank God in any situation. Give God thanks. And don't be like this woman, only focus on the nothing and what I don't have and what I haven't accomplished and what's missing and this is missing and this is missing and I look at so-and-so's life and they have this and I don't have that and I don't have and I don't have and it's nothing and it's not enough. It's no wonder your life is a mess. You know what has to become a repetition in your life? These two words, thank you for what I have. Be grateful. But this is not a a repetition we have. Elijah had to take, then she said, I have nothing except this oil. She belittled it. You know, ungrateful people belittle everything around them. You know what's interesting? Not only do you give thanks for what you have. You ready for this one? Brace yourself. You make it work. You make it work. You thank God for what you have and you make it work. Get that oil that you said is not enough, girl. That oil that you said is only this. Get that oil and that's what God's... If you're faithful, the Bible says, in the little, I will trust you with much more. Be faithful to what you have. Commit to it. It's not, it might not be enough, but if you put in the work, it will be more than enough. Make it work. Haggai chapter 2, verse 3, God said to the nation of Israel, as they went back home after slavery, they said, Who of you... That saw the house, the temple of God, and its former glory. We're here. How does it look like to you now because this temple was destroyed? Notice, the Bible says, Does it not seem to you like what? Nothing. But now God said, I know it seems like nothing. Be strong, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua. This is for the tribes and the high priests. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and what? And work. Work. In other words, God said, stop your fussing, your complaining, stop your little bitter pity attitude, And get to work. When you go to work tomorrow, work. Be thankful. Work. So much that your boss has a heart attack. Crazy. Falls apart. Oh my gosh, you're on time. I'm just thankful for a job. You actually did more than I asked you, because I'm thankful. Work. So she gets the oil. She's about to make it work. So the first thing that has to be a repetition in your life is thankful. So I got mad at Denison yesterday. I'm going to tell you something. Dennison's the type of guy that he's grateful. He's, He's just Denison, you know? And we were fishing yesterday. I caught nothing. I even fell overboard. I did. I didn't tell you that, Mom. But I fell overboard. Phone and everything. Fell overboard. And then, like, hours into it, I'm, I'm burnt, I'm tired, I'm thirsty. I was like, and I'm like, man, this, this is terrible, isn't it, Denson? And he goes, no, I like it. I'm like... As he's catching the fish, I'm not catching anything. I like it. You know, Pastor, I just love to be out here. I'm just glad that I can relax. And I, in my mind, I'm like... Ugh. And I remembered this this morning. Oh my gosh. I should have had that attitude. I'm thankful that I can just have friends to go out with and fish with and enjoy nature with. So, Jonathan, I repent of my sins. I'm going to complain less. (laughs) Number two. Once you begin to repeat thankfulness and making it work. Number three. Verse three, sorry, of number two. Notice what she says here in verse 3 of 2 Kings 4. Elijah said, go around, ask your neighbors for empty jars. It's crazy, right? She doesn't complain. She doesn't say why. That makes no sense. She's like, okay. So as she's walking out, Elijah stops her and says, Oh, by the way, don't ask for just a few. You know why this is so important? Because Elijah's saying, God's getting ready to do something so big, you better be prepared for it. The second thing that has to be repetition to get out of the mess in your life, you ready? increase the level of your asking. Sometimes we're either of a lack of faith, I don't know what's going on with us, but we serve a big God who does big things and we ask for small things. And sometimes we don't ask God because we think He's not going to do it. Sometimes we don't ask God because we think we don't deserve it. But you serve a God that nothing is impossible. You serve a God that can do anything by His own strength and His own wisdom and power. Notice Elijah says, you you have to ask, and she had no problem with asking, but Elijah specifically told her, do not ask for just a few. Let me make this clear. Your faith and expectations of God should never be determined by your circumstances. You don't just ask God if it makes sense. You ask God when it makes no sense. I don't care how long someone has not been unsaved in your life for years, and you've been praying for years and asking God to save them, and you're thinking, well, it's been too long. I don't think God's going to do it. You keep on asking. Ask God and increase the level of your asking. Because Ephesians 3.20 says that God is able... He's able to do far more. Now, to Him who can do far more, immeasurably more, than all that we want, Ask. Or even imagine. According to His power that is at work within us. God says, according to my power, I can do more than what you're able to ask. You know why God also threw the word imagine there? Because anyone could have an imagination. From the poorest of people, they can imagine themselves happy. They can imagine themselves blessed. They can see their families saved. They can see their families in church. If you can see it, ask God. What's the worst thing that could happen? He says no. James four two three, scariest verse in the Bible. One of them. I should do a series on the scariest verses in the Bible. You want something, you don't get it. That's what happens to us, why we don't ask, because I want it, but I don't get it. So you kill, and you covet. You hate people, because they have what you want. But you cannot have what you want, so you fight, you quarrel, you strive. You don't have, because you don't what? You don't ask God. You don't have because you don't ask. God tells this woman, go and ask, but don't just ask for a little. That's why I love Peter, because Peter was the craziest disciple in the bunch. And he sees Jesus walking on water. He doesn't care about the storm, he doesn't care about the impossibility. He asked Jesus, if it's you, allow me to walk to you. What a que- he asked Jesus if he could walk on water. Does that make any sense? No. And that's what I want your prayers to look like. I want us to pray prayers that make no sense. But you ask because you know the God that you serve and that nothing is impossible for Him. Hannah had no children. She was complaining all the time. I want a child. I want a child. And everyone around her was popping babies left and right. And she couldn't even do it once. And she got so frustrated, she began to cry. She got depressed. She stopped eating. Then she went alone and got with God. And she said, Lord, I just want a child. She asked God, and God said, okay, I'll give you more than one. I was just waiting for you to ask. Your faith and expectation of God shall always surpass your circumstances. That's why I love Matthew 9, 27 through 28. You see these blind men. Jesus went on from there. Two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us. They asked Jesus for mercy. Son of David. Because these men believed they were born blind because of their sin. So they looked at Jesus. They didn't look at him, they're blind. But they heard of him and said, Have mercy on us. They just asked. Everyone else, oh, be quiet. Stop asking him. You, you sound ridiculous right now. When he got indoors a blind man came to him and then he asked them do you believe that I'm able? Because you, you, sometimes we ask God for something that deep down inside we don't have the faith that he can do. Do you believe? And they said yes. and Jesus healed them. You know what they said to Jesus? Yes. Not, do you believe? Maybe. Do you believe? Maybe. I think so. Do you believe? Yeah, but sometimes I doubt it. Do you believe? I'm just not sure. No. They said, yes. I don't care how long I've been blind. I don't care how long I've had this problem. I don't care what anyone else tells me. They all tell me to be quiet. They all tell me to stop asking. They all tell me to stop believing. But I say yes to God because I believe in the power of what the Lord says He can do. Anything. So I ask. I ask. I ask. Because the answer is yes. Do you believe God is able to? You say yes. We need more Christians in the churches today to say yes to God. You can do all things. And he healed them. So not only do we have to repeat thankfulness and making it work with what we have. We need to make a, re- a repetition of asking God for the impossible? What if He says no? Okay. He says no. But what if God says, you don't have it because you haven't asked me yet? The last thing you need to make a... This is going to be a tough one. Should Should I do it? All right. number four this is the part I left it last because right now you're all feeling good right now right you're like yeah yes yes God I'm going to make it work I'm going to be thankful yes Lord I'm going to ask you for the impossible then number three I say this and you're like ah, too good to be true number four this was a command that God gave this woman verse four Go inside. Shut the door behind you. Shut the door. That caught me. Shut the door. You know why this grabbed my attention? Because throughout the Bible, before God did a miracle in someone's life, He told them, close the door behind you. And I always wondered why. Jesus went to the the little girl that was dead in her house. Jesus got everyone else out and told the parents, shut the door. Throughout the Bible, God would often mention doors. Shut the door, close the doors. Number three, shut the door. Get rid of all interruptions that are interrupting you and God. Number three, make it a habit, repetition, to get alone, really alone with God. The reason God says shut the door is that nothing else can get in. How many times do you try to read the Bible and things just creep up on you? All of a sudden your kids are hungry? Really? Is that a coincidence? All of a sudden the phone rings? All of a sudden things start happening? The world falls apart the minute you say, I'm going to spend time alone with God. But we have to make it a habit to shut the door. See, some of us, we stay in a mess in our lives because we allow ourselves to be interrupted all the time and distracted all the time by things around us from God. You know that God shuts doors in our lives. Yes, but what are you willing to do? You know, we always say, yeah, God can close a door. God sometimes closes doors. Yes, but when are you going to start closing a door for God? When are you going to say, this is my hour with God? When are you going to shut off your phone and say, Lord, it's all about you right now? The fact that Jesus said, get everyone out and close the door before he did a miracle in this little girl's life means that sometimes shutting the door means there are people in your life you need to get out already that are pulling you away from God. They're pulling you away from church. They're pulling you away from your faithfulness and walking with God. And if you're not going to shut the door on them, you're going to shut the door on God. And it happens. So he says to this woman, shut the door. So that no one interrupts. Because you have to get alone with God right now. When was the last time you really got alone with God? where no one or nothing could interrupt you. And you just prayed. And you just spent time with him. That's why God told Cain, sin is at your door. Be on your guard. Sin is at your door. We have to protect the doors of our lives. That's why when Lot was in Sodom, it's interesting how all the people of Sodom try to get in his house. Because the world is trying to get in the house. To pull you away from God. That's why in Egypt, when God, this is what, I'm doing this for Hell series, but I'm going to give you a taste. I found something interesting in the Bible. God said to the nation of Israel, put the blood on the doorpost. You guys remember that story? Say yes. yes. All right. And then the death angel comes by and spares everyone. But I realized something that's not true. You're like, oh, blasphemy. Listen. 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 Wait for next week. It's going to be awesome. No, listen. God said to them, put the lamb's blood on the doorpost." Go inside and shut the door. You know why? We always say, oh, the lambs represents the blood of Jesus, and because of Him we've escaped death. That's true. But what if one of those Israelites said, oh, I'll I'll put the blood, but I'm going to leave the door a little bit of a crack open there. You know why this is so valuable? Because we have so many Christians that have the blood of Jesus in their life, but the devil's ruining their lives. There are so many Christians. You're on your way to heaven. You've escaped death. You've come to life. I get it. But why aren't you growing? Why are you still stuck in the same sin? Why are you still bitter? Why are you still angry? Why are you still where you're at when you first got saved? It's because there's a lot of Christians that want the blood of Jesus while the world opens the door for them. They want Jesus, but they want the door to stay open. And God says, not only do you put the blood on, you shut the door because there's things that need to stay out. But the reason that so many of us are a mess is because we tell the devil in the world, if you want me, I'm here. All you got to do is just distract me. I'll go. The the devil knows what he needs to do to get you out of church in a heartbeat. Out of Bible study in a second. Out of prayer in your house. So you make it a habit of getting alone with God and closing the door. You following? Because as we close here, This woman got her miracle because she stopped complaining about what she did not have. And she got what she did have and made it work. What if God can do so much more in your life when you stop complaining? Be grateful and work with what you have. God did this amazing miracle in her life because she did not just ask for a few She asked for a lot in preparation for what God was going to do. What if you would increase the level of your asking? Because you have increased the faith in your God. And she got her miracle because in the end she shut the door and said, God, it's just you and me now. See, God wants to be alone with you. God wants you, but he has to fight through all these distractions and people and hobbies and everything to get to you. It's no no wonder you just stay. A mess. I love that this woman got her miracle because she did these three things. And I said, what if these three things become repetitive in my life? What if I make a habit of giving God thanks and working with I have? What if I make it a habit not to look at my circumstances, but look to my God and increase the level of my asking? What if I make it a habit to shut the door when it's time for me and God? Oh, I know I have to go to work. I know I love hobbies. I know I have friends and whatever. But when it's time for me and God, it is time. I shut the door. Devil, you can't touch me. World, you can't have me. It is me and God and God and me and nothing separates me from that. God can't do anything in the life of a believer who is easily pulled away. Shut the door. So that God can open new doors. So you're probably wondering, Pastor, are you thirsty or... What is this for? I want to confess something to you. I have, No one knows this about me. I've, I don't... My parents don't my parents don't even know this about me. She's scared. She's like, no, don't worry, Mom. You guys want to know what my greatest, greatest, greatest fear is. I have a lot of fears. There's some weird ones. I'm afraid of butterflies. That's a crazy one. I panic. Look at them up close. Those are monsters with beautiful wings. I'm afraid of compressed air I'm a a scuba diver too but I'm afraid of compressed air I have a phobia of compressed air get me around an air compressor and I start speaking in tongues it's crazy it's it's bad but my third fear I never talk about it want to know? I'm afraid of heaven you're like what? I am I'm afraid of heaven And you're like, well, pastor, you always say heaven's beautiful. You always say that heaven is great. You always say that heaven, you don't cry. There's no... How can someone be afraid of heaven? I am afraid of heaven. This is why. Because the Bible says that on that day, God's going to get all the believers together and reward us according to what we did on earth. And what I'm afraid is of this. You see, I have a little cup here. This massive jug. And right now, I could only go so far in filling this cup. And this is my greatest fear with God. That I get to heaven and I look back on my life on earth and I realize that I got this from God when I could have had more. Get it? That God says, David, I would have given you so much more. But while on earth, this is a type of faith you had for me. And if you would have just been more faithful and more obedient, all of this could have been yours. I could have blessed you, but I can't. Because notice what Jesus told the blind men. According to your faith, it will be done. So if my faith is small, why would God do big things in my life? If I, I know I serve a big God. I know I believe in a big God. But if my faith is small, God says I can only fill you according to your level of faith. And I don't want to die and get to heaven and look back and realize I'm grateful for this, God, but I can't believe I missed out on so much more if I would have had just a little bit more faith. And Elijah tells this woman, don't collect a few. And I want to close with this powerful statement. The reason that so many Christians stay a mess in this earth It's not only because we live our lives with small, pathetic faith in a big God, but we have this small commitment to God. Because God said to her, Go and collect, but don't collect a few. What if she would have collected just a few? god could not have surpassed her needs so what happens to us today is not only are we in a mess because our faith is small we're in a mess in this life because our obedience to god is small we want god to do big things while we give him little commitment we want god to do more but i'm going to give you little and God, I want more blessings, but I'm going to give you less time. And God, I want more miracles, but I'm going to give you less devotion. And God, I want more of your power and influence in my life, but, but I'm just going to give you a little bit. But I'm expecting a lot of God. Does it make sense to expect a lot from God when we give Him so little? Just a little Sunday, that's it, a little Sunday, that's it, that's all it takes. Just a little bit of a scripture, just a little bit of a prayer when you have time, when you're ready, when it's convenient, just a little, just a little. Then you sit back and say, why doesn't God do more in my life? You receive this word today. With every head bow, every eye closed today, I want to pray for you. I want you to think about the mess that you're in right now. I don't know who you are I don't know what you're going through but you're saying pastor I'm a mess it's okay God loves messes they turn into the greatest miracles and you could be a miracle right now we're in, in the making but when are you going to make it a repetition to be grateful and work with what you have when are you going to make it a repetition to increase the level of your faith in asking? When are you going to make it a repetition to close the doors of distractions in your life? Because I believe God has more for your life, but you'll never see it or experience it if you stay in that small-minded faith and small-minded commitment and obedience to God and I know that there's people here that need miracles in their life so start giving God more not just a few Father I thank you for this word today for all the people that are in a mess right now whether it's financial their marriage with your children with you you could do so much more. So, Father, forgive us for being ungrateful. Forgive us, Lord, for not being faithful with what we have. Forgive us, God, because we know we serve a big God, but when we ask things, Lord, well, we only ask according to what our circumstances allow But I pray that our level of our asking begin to increase as we realize, Lord, the power that you have over everything. That we begin to ask for the impossible because we serve a God of the supernatural. And Father, for all the people who need to start shutting doors, who are distracted and pulled away, Father, bring them back. They might not even be here right now because the doors were open. Bring them back. Break them if you have to. Bring them back. And Father, give us everything we have waiting for us according to our faithfulness. As you bless the mess of our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Give God some praise today. If you guys were blessed with that word today.